right, guys. Guess what? Guess the fuck what? We're back with another episode of the Football Outside the Box podcast, where we discuss the past, the present, and the future of football. Today's discussion is going to be a little different because this weekend we have a mix of Premier League and a mix of FA Cup. We are mainly focused on the Premier League. Before we dig into the future, why not look at the present a little bit? We're recording this off of both days of the Champions League fixtures have been finalized and we have two English and two Spanish clubs. One Spanish club to probably everyone's surprise, Villarreal. The only team to beat them in the Champions League is... Tell the world, go ahead, say it. Manchester United, but... Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's about a change when Liverpool come to town. They have no chance against Liverpool. I'm sorry. Who knows? Emery could be at it again. Wow. What a performance from the man himself. Mr. Unai Emery. Wow. Astonishing stuff. Tracking back into the Premier League now, this, as we said, this weekend is a tricky one because there is no Manchester City playing, no Chelsea, no Liverpool. Looks like the title race is on pause for this weekend and we are having a top four challenge coming up this weekend. So first match of the weekend is Saturday morning for us over here in America. Tottenham versus Brighton. And Hove Albion. Brighton coming off the back of a victory against us, as we know. Hopefully they can do another madness in the top four challenge here. And surprise Tottenham. What do you think? Any chance for them? Or well, I guess how do you think Brighton played? Did they deserve to win? As in, was it a smash and grab? They scored two goals off the counter and sit back, or how did the game go? To me, it was more the fact, I don't want to take away anything from Brighton, but it was more the fact that Arsenal were poor. And as we know, Tottenham have been good of late, but we also know that Tottenham are due a slip up anytime they pick up a little bit of form. So what do you think? It will be very hard to go against Tottenham right now. I think I'd have to agree as well in terms of on paper. Not just on paper, but Brighton, of course, before they beat Arsenal last weekend, they hadn't scored in five or six games, or maybe once in the last six games. The first goal, off of a counter, okay, good good team build-up. But the second goal, you know, down to the individual brilliance from Mwepu, Mwepu. Of course, they could do that again at Tottenham, but Brighton have been very porous at the back, away from home against the top or the big six sides. I think they're going to go back or stick with the back three again. Maybe go go again with a 3-5-2, try to counter Tottenham's 3-4-3. But I, I don't think Brighton have enough to beat Tottenham right now. And frankly, I think Tottenham have enough to get over the line against Brighton. On the Brighton side, the players that are impressing me is Kukarela at left wing back. Very, very energetic, very good on the ball and very physical for who, someone who's not necessarily a big athletic or he doesn't seem very big and athletic, I should say. Lewis Dunk, another player who I'm impressed with, his shot blocking, his ability to just anticipate when something is coming is very, very good. Very good in the air and it's going to be a big challenge for Harry Kane going up against Lewis Dunk more than what people think. 
And I'm excited to see how that one turns out. Another person you just mentioned, Mwepo. Um, I hadn't seen too much of him before this Arsenal match, but he really impressed. He got a goal and an assist, actually. That was impressive from that standpoint. Trossard, as we know, neatly taken goal. Very good player. Nifty, good all-round attacker. And then Danny Welbeck, as we know, veteran, leading the line. Hopefully he can come through with the goods and do his former side a favour. Tottenham side, we already know the main people. Kane, Son, Kulichevsky is looking very good as well for them. We do have to note that these two teams met just a few weeks ago, maybe a month. I think right before the international break, Tottenham thrashed Brighton. The score was 2-0, I think. So it doesn't suggest a thrashing, but they dominated them from start to finish. I think that's the game Harry Kane broke the away goal scoring record. It could be very tricky when two teams meet each other again in a such a short span of time. But again, I don't think Brighton really have a chance this game. So final score predictions? 3-0 for Tottenham. Wow. Convincing. I'm going standout for me, in my opinion, as far as a prediction. Using my brain, I'm going to go either Kane or I'm going to go Kulichevsky having a good game. I don't necessarily think Kulichevsky is going to be the standout guy, but I think he's going to have somewhat of an impact. However, my heart is going to tell me Danny Welbeck comes through with a last gasp winner at the death, 96 minutes to seal it for Brighton, 2-1. That's what my heart says. That's very interesting, Danny Welbeck. You can't rely on Danny Welbeck too much, you know, from supporting him as an Arsenal player. I know from supporting him as a United player. No, that's why I said my heart, not my mind. <laughs> but anyways, moving on to the next game after that. Two games, two important top four games kicking off at the same time. One of them being, we start with your team, Man United versus Norwich at Old Trafford. What are your thoughts on this any key things to look out for i know the first the reverse fixture earlier this season at carroll road was a very frustrating one nil win for man united do you think it's going to be a similar sort of match or do you think that man united could get more of a grip on this one i think they have to norwich are pretty much going down already or they're pretty much set to go down at this point I know I said a 3-0 thrashing last weekend against Everton, but if it's anything less than a 3-0 thrashing against Norwich, who will be missing their one of their best players in Brandon Williams because of, again, he's loaned up from United. It's a shame, really. I mean, we have to win. This is probably the easiest game left on paper for the remainder of the season. And again, similar to last week, the news looks even more official of Eric Ten Hag coming to United. But then again, they, they didn't turn up at Everton last weekend, even after this news came out. So I, I can never say it with confidence these days that they're going to get a result one way or the other. Either they perform and dominate the team from start to finish, or they scrape a 1-0 win like they did in the reverse fixture. But a win is needed right now. The confidence is down. I think the Champions League exit really hurt the team, their morale, because that was coming off of a, of a brilliant game against Tottenham. 
yes, they, we didn't play that great against Tottenham. We owe, owe it a lot to Ronaldo's hat trick for coming out winners, three two winners that game. But I think that Champions League exit really shot the team down. Not saying we would have had that great of a chance to win it all or even progress to the next round because, as we saw, Atletico Madrid get knocked out by Man City. But realistically, that was the only trophy available for this season left. And with that gone, it's it just seems like they have nothing to play for at this point. Yes, the top four. Does it really matter to them? I mean, we've we've not qualified for the Champions League a good few times in the prior few seasons. I know we've qualified two, three seasons in a row, but I don't know. Looking back, it, it seems like the Champions League exit was an even bigger damage than than I thought it would be. A win against Norwich. Uh, have to take that into into the next game, which is at Anfield. Yeah, I agree. Man United have to win this match. But to me, this seems like the typical type of match that Man United go in and just disappoint. You're expecting a nice, easy, comfortable win against a side that is basically all but done and out. We've seen it before. We've seen it even against Watford. You're expecting a, a lovely win and you go and lose 4-1. So shall I get sat the next day. When is it going to be that Man United just finally get a grip over matches like this and situations like this? That's what Arsenal have done well this season until last weekend, of course. But Arsenal have been able to beat teams they're expected to beat. Yes, I know they've lost against Brentford first game of the season. They, they tied against Palace at home earlier in the season as well. But if you look at last season and compare it to this season's home form for Arsenal... It's night and day. It's a remarkable improvement in terms of at least the home form and beating the teams that you need to beat. And not just beating them, but really dominating them at home. And that's what Arsenal have been doing up until recently. And that's where you're seeing a difference. You know, I know in terms of the table, it's only three points of a difference. But Arsenal were in eighth last season. United came in second. It's been a while since we've been able to consistently get the results and the performance at home. Ever since Solskjaer took charge, we've never dominated a team on a consistent basis. Not against a size like Liverpool, Man City, Chelsea. Of course, it's it's going to be hard to dominate them. But the sides on the lower, you know, the lower tier teams, the teams that you expect to dominate, at least in terms of the performance, results will follow if you're dominating these teams on a consistent basis. And it just hasn't been the case. To me, dominating these teams on a consistent basis starts with the system and the shifting in, shifting out managers to the level that Man United are doing it is never going to develop a long-term system. And I understand that, yes, maybe the intention was for somebody like Solskjaer to come in long-term, but I think more work or more care needs to go into who is going to be this long-term manager and what is the long-term plan on a whole, before any consistent domination of these teams is going to happen. Score predictions? I'm going to be a little more humble and go with a 2-1 with a win. Wow. What about any players to look out for? Players to look out for? I don't know if Fred is going to play. I don't know if he's fully fit to play. If Pogba and Bruno do play again together, I want to see more from them. Pogba has been poor the past two games. Bruno Fernandes has been poor the past two games. When these two are on the field, you're expecting to create tons of chances. And playing against a team like Norwich, 
they're going to be on the ball very much, pretty much 65% of the time. So I'm expecting to see something special from those two this game. And I think it'll come. I think it's about time, but I would like to see it. Yeah. So moving on to the other game at the same exact time, over to St. Mary's, Southampton versus Arsenal. What are your thoughts on this one? You know, Southampton coming off the back of a 6-0 thumping <laughs> against Chelsea. And Arsenal coming off the back of a very disappointing flat loss against Brighton. How do you expect these two teams to respond? I think both teams need a response. Desperately. I think Arsenal maybe a little more because they have something to fight for this season. Both teams are so flat this past weekend. Southampton never came out for the game. Arsenal, yes, you understand the circumstances, but they never did either. They both need a response. It's going to be a feisty game, I think, because just because we know what's at stake. But I don't know. It's tricky. Kind of. I'm just going back to the two times that Southampton were thrashed 9-0 by Leicester, I think. And then last season, of course, at Old Trafford. Looking back at how they responded after those games, they never really responded great. And both times were under Ralph Hasenhutl. And it begs the question a little bit, for me at least, whether this is a trend with Hasenhutl's team. His teams always seem to fall off in the second half of the season. Not just the season, but the second half of games. And it's proven by stats. Because of such a high-intensity, high-pressing style of play that they have, and their squad is thin. I know they only play once a week with no European football, but they've, re- they've made it to the FA Cup quarterfinals this season. So I don't know if they have enough in them to really produce a response against this Arsenal side, who have not performed the best away from home. They've been able to grind out results, barring the 3-0 loss at Palace. And, you know, football is a game of momentum. Of course, Arsenal are somewhat in a, in a slide, downward slide since the international break, but I don't necessarily have faith in Southampton to bounce back after that 6-0 defeat. Here's my thing. I worry a lot about the quality in this match. I fear that we're not going to get good quality from either sides. I know Southampton have been in, they're, they're in poor form at the moment. And as you say, Arsenal is on a bit of a downslide. Arsenal also lack a lot of depth at the moment. I don't think the players coming in have the quality to maintain the level that Arsenal were holding up for so long before the international break. And I worry that that's going to translate into this match coming up now. I heard reports that Lacazette missed training. I heard rumours that Martinelli is going to get a chance to start up front now because of that. And that Pepe is going to be deputising in place of Martinelli. I guess they're going to do probably Pepe on the right and Saka on the left. I personally would like to see Martinelli at strike. I would like to see him have a run of games there, not just one. And hopefully he gets good service. But I also really want to see Pepe at striker too. Because I don't think Pepe operates well off the wing. He's dribbling at players. The man cannot dribble past a cone. I'm telling him. When he's dribbling at players... He loses the ball basically every time. Like most of the time he loses the ball. However, when he's 
shooting at goal. The man has probably one of the best left foots I've seen for quite some time. And he's cool and calm, composed when the pressure situations are high. And you could see that even with his penalty record. If you see his penalty record at Lille before he came to Arsenal, I think it was like he was the penalty take and I don't think he even missed one or maybe he missed one only. And then he's come to Arsenal and he wasn't the penalty taker. When he was on the field and he first came to Arsenal, he actually was. The only thing is he wasn't starting every match. But then when he actually is on the field, he was taking penalties. And after a while, if it's Lacazette, if it's Aubameyang, a lot of it got distributed based on confidence building and getting players goals when they really needed it and such. Anyways, the point is to say that Pepe is cool in front of the goal. And he's very good at buying a yard against a defender, especially when they've dove in. Very good at just doing that little one skip past them or just one skip away from them, which is a very different skill than dribbling at somebody. Very, very different. Very different in terms of your decision-making as well. What you want from Pepe is just to get the ball, get one touch out of his foot, and get a shot on goal quickly. You don't want him dribbling at players trying to create something like a Saka or a Mares, for example. Those players, they are designed to dribble at someone. These are very different skill sets we're talking about. And I think if Pepe gets a chance at striker, maybe not as a lone striker, even though I think he could operate there given some time to adapt, he may not look perfect after one game going in there, but he also has very good link-up play, good flicks around the corner and such to be able to, I think, be successful in that role, especially in the Arsenal system right now. So that is what I would like to see going into this match, if those rumours are true that Lacazette's not going to play and it's between Pepe and Martinelli up front. But as we know, we will see. Arteta has been proven to like to shake things up in his way when necessary. As we know, Xhaka was at left-back. And obviously in the preview, me and you spoke about Arsenal potentially shifting to a back-five, which is something that we thought would have been the right decision. He didn't go with it and it proved costly in the end. But again, that's hindsight. Maybe our back five recommendation would have been even worse. So we don't really know. However, do you think that a back five is potentially something that Arteta could look to switch to this time out? I think this time even more, you have to. Just because of the way Southampton are going to play. And I can see even more of a midfield domination for Southampton. If Arsenal were to keep the system that they've been playing these past few months because Lokonga and Odegaard, I don't mind Odegaard there, but his talent is being wasted down there. He needs to be higher, higher up the pitch. I don't know if his strength is necessarily being on the ball that, that deep and spreading out the passes. Lokonga, I probably not fit to start every game. I think they could struggle again, combined with the fact that Southampton's press, when they do work on the days that do it does work, they're very dangerous. Thing is for me right now, Xhaka, you can't take him out of midfield in our current situation. We don't have anybody to replace him there. If it was Party in there, maybe you could put Party and Odegaard together and then put Xhaka at left back. Maybe. That's still a maybe. With Odegaard, 
how you say that you don't think that he could be best using a CM position deep line like that. I think that's still up for debate. But here's what isn't up for debate. If he doesn't have a partner next to him that's doing the dirty work, you can forget it. Just simply forget it. However, I'd like to see him there with Party maybe next to him because Party is very good at the dirty work and winning the ball. But Lakanga, as you said as well, he's just not ready. Simply not ready. He needs some time to adapt. He needs to get fitter. He needs to get quicker, stronger. I think he needs to get more mature in his awareness. He just seems too composed at times. And going back to what I had said in the review, I just think that his style is not set to be this sitting, deep-lying playmaker role. I think he needs license to drive forward, break the lines, and be involved in the attack from a deep central midfield role by driving forward and having someone sit next to him. I don't think he's the sitter. To be honest, I think that's what Partey should be doing for me. I think his talent's been wasted, as I know he's been recently playing as the lone staying back CDM with Shaka pushing up forward. For me, Partey should be pushing up forward. Well, I think so too. I've been saying that as well for some time. He, sh- he needs to play a box-to-box role. The problem is we don't have somebody to sit next to him. And I think that's the player we need to identify, not an AOR. We need to identify somebody to sit with what Partey is doing now and let Partey do what Xhaka has been doing for us before the international break. I mean, he's fine. He's fine there. I mean, it looks like it works for him as that ball-winning guy. Is that really his best role? I don't think so. But we don't. That's um, not a topic for this this game. At least he's not going to be playing this game. Right. But I definitely agree with you on that, because it's not to say that he's not able to do that role that that he's doing right now. But I believe that he's being wasted. He can do offer so much more to the team it's being wasted because he's asked to this role which he's good at but it's not getting the most out of him yeah it's like driving a ferrari in in los angeles during rush hour you can't use the ferrari to its fullest <laughs> i know you've been proposing for martinelli to play or at least get a few one of games as striker for the longest time because you think that's his best position yes but look at how what lucas has been doing in, in this arsenal side he's been the guy that's dropping into space spreading the passes he's been getting involved in he's not scoring that's not his job right now even though it should be his job is to get involved in the play and that is partly because he's not really getting that service i think if you're putting martinelli in there i think you're setting him up for failure well here's where i would not agree with that martinelli has the ability to do what lacazette is doing for the team. Now, do I think he's going to come in immediately and provide that contribution that Lacazette is doing in terms of coming in deep and having the hold-up play, linking up the play as well as he does? I think link-up play, yes, maybe, but the hold-up play, he might lack the physicality for. Sure. What Martinelli offers, though, is something else on top of that. So with Lacazette, sure, you get great hold-up play but you get absolutely zero running in behind. And what I like from Martinelli is that he offers, yes, he can do hold-up play. You can see that he has very good close control. He has a very good touch. He has good link-up play, good one-two knock-ins, and he can run in behind. And he's scoring. So for me, it's about 
put somebody up there who can offer you all of that. That's what I'm asking for. Because you're keeping the defense guessing. With Lacazette, as you saw against Brighton, Louis Dunk knows every time he's going in deep. So what's he going to do? He's just going to follow him deep every single time. Just stay tight on him. Done. You know he's not running in behind. If you have somebody who can maybe fake you out like they're going to run in behind, come deep, you never know what they're going to do. Because you have to respect the fact that they pose a threat in behind. And with Lacazette, you don't have that threat. And that's why I want somebody who can pose that threat. I think Pepe would do a great job up there too, posing that threat. Because I think Pepe is great at running in behind off the ball, not on the ball. And I think that at wing, he's been asked to be on the ball too much. And I think he can provide a whole different threat in the middle. But I also would like to see Martinelli get a chance up there. And I know we're talking about Martinelli now. So the reason I'm saying that is because he's, he's able to offer that threat as well as the goals. And that is what a striker's main job is supposed to be. And in a team, we can argue and say, okay, if you're getting the goals from somewhere, maybe a main striker doesn't have to be a prime goal scorer, as we see with Liverpool. Salah is the main goal scorer out from the wing. Sure, but we don't have a main goal scorer right now. So either you make that... And we don't, why, are we, why do we have to copy Liverpool? Let's have our own striker be the main goal scorer if that's the case. Right now, our three attacking midfielders lined up behind the striker or alongside the striker, however you want to refer to it. They're all creative types of players. Smithrow, Odegaard, Saka. If you want to throw Martinelli as the left winger, sure. Right now, he's even being asked to do a little of both. But I think you're depriving Martinelli of more opportunities to get into the box by shooting him out to the wing. Again, that, that's great. But if there's no service provided to him, there's not, there's not much he can do as a striker. Strikers inherently are going to rely on the service provided to them. And at this point in the current system, I, I don't see where that service is coming from for Martinelli. He can make runs all day long he wants. But if the service isn't coming, good luck. I don't have a problem with the level of service we're getting usually. I would say that we struggle as far as movement up top to get the creation. That's why we're not creating. It's not because we're not able to play the passes. It's not like we're trying to play the passes and the passes are off and such. We're simply not getting the movement up top. And it's what I'm saying about Lacazette. He doesn't offer anything else. We need somebody who can provide a run left and right. Somebody who can provide a run short and long. So that way the defense keeps guessing and that way when there's movement, the creative players like Smithrow, Odegaard, Saka can find those runs and find that movement. And I think now it's going to be a lot more difficult without party to build up the play because I don't think that that transition is going to happen as often. So I just think that there's going to be less time on the ball for Odegaard, Saka, Smithrow, the creative players in the midfield because that transition doesn't happen without a guy like party or Xhaka. Maybe if Xhaka is playing in there, we'll get it a little bit more. But if the ball doesn't reach those creative players, then there's nothing that we can do. What was happening a lot with Brighton is that front three, so I'll say front four with Lacazette, that front four were very stagnant. There was not much space. If Lacazette is able to stretch them with the running behind, 
that creates spaces in the gaps in front of the defense and in between the midfield. Who is in that space? The three attacking midfielders. Saka, Odegaard, Smith-Rowe, just lined up right there in between the midfield and the defense. That's where they need to be collecting the ball. And if Lacazette keeps coming in there, it clogs up the space. And I don't mind you coming short for the ball sometimes to create a support option. What I don't want to see is an overclog consistently to where you become predictable. Stretch them out, create the space, and then we can exploit the space afterwards. Final score prediction? It's tough because I could definitely say Arsenal just being flat again and coming up with a draw or a loss even. But you know me, I'm always going to go with the hard score. And I'm going to go 2-1. I think we're going to find it difficult to keep a clean sheet because I think that they recognize we have some weak areas on the field now, especially in the wide areas. Namely, left, wide, back. <laughs> left, back. <laughs> Let me just say it straight. Left, back. If they decide to tactically set up to target our weak point, I think that could exploit us. However, I think Arsenal will have enough quality to grind it out. I think the Arteta is going to instill some mentality in them, some drive, some demand, and hopefully some fight. I could see us nicking it with a set piece, something along those lines. I don't think it's going to be anything pretty or comfortable at all. Yeah, we're not expecting a, a very high-quality game from either side. But it, this is a very light weekend of Premier League football. We do have to mention briefly that Man City and Liverpool are going head-to-head in the FA Cup semifinals, which will be huge in the title race. And as well, Chelsea, Crystal Palace... But yes, that is all we have time for today. Make sure you tune in to the three Premier League matches that we previewed and make sure to join us for the review show of those three games. Yeah, make sure you're there. Don't forget to tune in and also don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, all the above. You already know. Leave a rating, a review on whichever platform you are listening from. Remember to like our Facebook page at Football Outside the Box Podcast. Again, the website address is facebook.com slash FOTB pod. Thanks for tuning in, guys. That's it from us. Peace out. Make sure to keep Arsenal in your prayers. Yeah, they're going to need it. Peace.